Welcome to A Wealthy Life for Her with Teresa Leftenant, where we discover our path to a truly wealthy life through conversations with talented and successful women and men who are designing their version of a meaningful and prosperous life. Teresa Leftenant is a certified financial planner with 30 years experience as a financial advisor and wealth coach to women just like you. She is founder of ReinventingHer.com and author of Reinventing Her, helping women plan, pursue, and capitalize on their next chapter. Teresa is a relationship with money expert and a reinvention mentor for women who are ready to create a life that makes their heart sing and their bank account swell. CFP and Certified Financial Planner, the Certified Financial Board of Standards Incorporated, owns these certification marks in the U.S., which it awards to individuals who successfully complete CFP Board's initial and ongoing certification requirements. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Episode 60 of A Wealthy Life for Her with Teresa Leftenant, where we're supporting women who are, who are creating their own version of a wealthy life. Now, I've been a CFP and a wealth advisor for a good number of years, and women and their partners hire me to gain the right knowledge and confidence so they can build the financial resources they need to pursue their passions, explore who they are, express their inner talents, and live their personal dreams. Every week, my expert guests and I explore seven aspects or one of the seven aspects of living a wealthy life, and that's including our finances, but also our physical health and wellness, our professional and career, mental and emotional wellness, recreation and fun, relationships, and our contribution and legacy. And I love to share about the inner power qualities that women can develop and the latest thoughts about pursuing a wealthy life. So, you know, we hear the word authenticity a lot these days, and our guest is going to help us think differently about how we can create an authentic presence online. But before I introduce him, I want to share some of my own thoughts and experiences about living authentically. You know, I actually could change the name of this podcast or this show to from a wealthy life for her to an authentic life for her, because That's what the journey to a fulfilling, happy, and adventurous life really requires, becoming and then being authentic. So when I was getting ready for the show today, I was asking myself, okay, so how would I really like to describe the word authenticity? And I figured out it's pretty simple because authenticity is just like being yourself, living every day, doing all the different things that we do as our true self. So, so simple, but you and I both know it's much easier said than done. It's a simple concept, but it can be hard because it requires sometimes that we be on that conscious journey of learning who we really are on the inside. It also means that we give up comparing ourselves to others and making a judgment that we've just come up short. Authenticity means that we stop wasting time comparing ourselves to others and spend that time embracing the uniqueness of our self. What do we need to do to become our unique self? Well, the first step is to open our mind and make a decision to approach the whole idea of yourself as capital, your, Y-O-U-R, self. 
S-E-L-F, your self or my self. In other words, we have to own our self because after all, our self is all we've got. Our self is who we depend on. Our self is the most interesting person in the room. So I wanted to give you three easy steps, making not uh, making it not hard, but easy to really discovering and owning your real self. So you can go about your day being authentic. All right, here's step number one. Get into a relationship with yourself. Now, how do you do that? Well, the same way you have a relationship with your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend or your best friend, you talk to yourself, ask yourself questions such as, how do I feel about that? Or what do I want right now? Or what makes me happy? Or what makes me sad? And do you like spending time alone with your spouse or your best friend? Sure you do. So spend some time alone with yourself. Take yourself out on a date. Think about how fun it would be if you played tourist in your own town and took yourself all around and then out to dinner at your favorite restaurant. Yourself is really good company. And also, you might want to think about saying, I love you to yourself every night before you go to bed. You can also tell yourself how awesome you were all day, how many cool things you did for your others, how great you did taking action on your goals, and that discipline you managed to do not having that piece of chocolate cake. All right, step number two. Speaking of how cool you are, ask yourself to help you identify all the wondrous things that make you so cool. I ask my clients to make a long list of what's really great and likable about themselves, not who they wish they were, who they want to become, but who they are naturally. A few awesome and really cool things about myself is that I'm naturally passionate about everything I do. I care about how things work out. And I live my values of responsibility and accountability every day. I'm also incredibly persistent. I never give up. I also like organization, but not too much. And I love one-on-one -on -one connection with people and animals. And I naturally can't really stop myself from dancing whenever I hear music. And there's so much more. So start your list of positive and cool things about yourself today. It feels really great to add to your list on a regular basis and to read it out loud when you need that extra boost or reminder. All right, step number three, just open your mind to the possibility that you just might have some bad habits that are keeping you from being your true self in the world. Once you recognize one of those bad habits, then you can engage a process of just letting it go. For instance, if you feel guilty for watching too much TV, too many movies, you can make the decision right now to just accept that you love watching movies. You don't have to give up watching movies. Just give up feeling guilty about it. After all, if you love watching movies so much, like I do, think about how much fun you can have talking about it with your friends on social media. Now, I know people who find it really easy to be authentic, to live their true self out loud, while others struggle hiding the most interesting parts of themselves because they're afraid of being judged or rejected. 
You can turn hard into easy by becoming best friends with yourself and sharing yourself's most cool and interesting things out loud with the world. So let's invite our guest to share more about sharing all of our authentic true self out loud. Richard Bliss is a LinkedIn Top Voices influencer, an experienced executive communications manager, and a social media coach. He's helped thousands of people master social media tools and become fluent in social conversations, building their platforms and confidence to effectively reach their audience, define their brand vision and strategies, and develop high-caliber sales teams. In addition to working with businesses and organizations in the U.S., Richard has consulted with startups and high-growth technology firms around the world. A former executive vice president of marketing for 18 years and an award-winning pioneer in technology, collaboration, and cloud computing, Richard has appeared on CNN, GMA, and other major media outlets. He shifted his attention to social media when he founded the podcast Funding the Dream, which became a leading voice in the crowdfunding space. Today, Richard continues to empower others through his weekly newsletter and podcast, which reaches over 45,000 subscribers. Can't tell you how excited I am to have you on the show, Richard. Thank you for being here. Teresa, it is my pleasure. A thrill to be here. Thank you for inviting me. You're so, so welcome. Uh, We have had such... I've had such a great time learning about what you do and who you are. And, you know, we didn't meet that long ago, but you immediately jumped out and said, hey, let me help you with your LinkedIn profile. You and your team got on the phone with me and you really blew my mind with just a few changes that really made a huge difference. So I really want to thank you for that. But it also really says who you are. So I want to start out just by letting you tell us a little bit about your journey to becoming a really an amazing social media expert and teacher. I appreciate that. That journey is pretty long, but we'll, we'll keep it short. Okay. Uh, part of it is that over the years, and, and you did that in my, in my introduction, and I appreciate that, I've had to reinvent myself many times. Um, <laughs> but... There was one time in particular, it was 10 years ago, this, it was actually 10 years ago this month, uh, in a couple of weeks, actually, it'll be the 10-year anniversary. And that is, I was the vice president of marketing for an international company. I was doing uh, quite well. And out of the blue, I had helped this company from a startup to becoming a multi-million dollar international company. And out of the blue, I got a phone call from the founder and he was talking to me and I got to admit, I was confused and he's talking. And I suddenly stopped him and said, wait a minute, are you firing me? And he's like, Oh, blah. And then he kind of talked around it. I had to do that two more times, three times total. I had to ask him point blank. Are you firing me? And the answer came back was yes, he was firing me. And it was a confusing, we won't go into the any details. It caught me by surprise. And as you said, I was appearing all over the world in trade magazines and television. And I was a very well-known name. Uh, in my industry. But on top of that, they fired me and then gave my job to my wife, my, oh my. Who's, who's now my ex-wife. And I think that kind of led to some of the contribution of what was happening. So when you talk about how did I get here, it was not a journey I anticipated. And it, and it was an interesting circumstance where you suddenly find yourself, I couldn't go work for a competitor 
I'd compete. I'd be competing against my wife. I even couldn't go work for another vendor or company in the space because people would be asking these odd questions. And I found myself in a very difficult situation and I had to completely reinvent myself. I had to give up three elements that so many of us use to tie to our self-identity. I had to give up in some ways, all of the experience I had used to that point in my career because I couldn't draw upon that. I had to give up the connections I had because those connections couldn't help me. And in some ways I had to give up on the geographical location that I self-identified with, where I was living and who I was working for. And I actually literally had to give those things up, strip myself down to the bare bones and then start over and say, okay, but who, who am I? And what do I want to do with my career? So that's kind of in a nutshell, that story, which tends it's in my book and it tends to draw a lot of interest. Um, it, it's not, necessarily every day you hear that story. No, it definitely isn't. But I want to ask you, so a lot of people, you know, most people end up having something that happened in their lives that are is shocking and isn't what they want and can even be quite painful. But later on in life, they end up saying it was the best thing that ever happened. Would you say that's true for you as well? Yeah, absolutely. And I don't want to talk about you. Know, so yes, and, and it's where two people, so whether it's my marriage and right. two people find uh, a way to be happier by being apart is not a disaster. It is just reality. And we've all experienced that kind of relationship. And from a career standpoint, if that event had not happened, if I had not been forced to strip away everything I had come to self-identify with, I would have been in no position to learn what I needed to know for the modern era, because I was carrying baggage or, or, you know, I was carrying over from my career that started a long time ago in the previous century. Right. And I was carrying a lot of that with me. I was forced to give that all up and say, okay, who do I want to be today that can't draw upon anything from yesterday so that I can become somebody I want and that I admire tomorrow. And that would have never happened. And you know what? Sometimes we we won't do that on our own. It no. takes some kind of an event like that to push us into becoming more of who we're really meant to be. And so, was that actually? Now you started your company at that point. You you. I, I didn't. But what I did do is I said, okay, what is important today? I was the vice president of marketing. I was used to the PR, press releases, world tours. But what was important today? So 10 years ago, what was important was uh, blogging was, was starting to become very popular. So I started blogging. Social media, LinkedIn, Twitter. Uh, I had a Facebook account, but these other ones were outside of really, did I have an interest? I wasn't looking for a job. Well, now I was. Right. But most of us think of LinkedIn as looking for a job. Twitter as something that, why would I even pay attention? And so I stopped and said, what, how do I see these new modern tools affecting and impacting business moving forward. And if I see that future, how can I then master them? Podcasting was the other one. And so I, and then writing, I always wanted to be a writer and yet I had never actually taken that opportunity. So I sat down and wrote a book, not, not the one that just came out a book 10 years ago. And by the way, it's terrible. I self-published, <laughs> self-edited, self-wrote. It was terrible. Um, <laughs> You have to do the first one to learn all the things that you don't want to do in the second one, right? Absolutely. And, but here's what happened, Teresa, is that because I did that, a colleague of mine in the UK saw that I had published a book. He was approached by a Fortune 500 company saying, hey, we're looking for someone 
to help our executives learn how to write online. This person has to understand technology. They have to be able to work with executives. They have to be living in Silicon Valley and they have to be available immediately. Do you know anybody? And he said, well, actually, yes, I do. Because I had just published that book. I put myself out there, no matter how embarrassing it was. And because of that, I was asked to come and and work with an individual. If uh, if your listeners are familiar with the University of Notre Dame, which I assume they are, uh, the school of business there is called the Mendoza School of Business, named after a gentleman by the name of Tom Mendoza. That was the executive that they wanted me to come write for. Oh. And so because I started working with him, then I was introduced to someone else and someone else. And suddenly I found myself in a circle doing something I had never done before, but felt a passion for. But because I was to put myself out there, suddenly I found myself in that position. And now about two and a half years ago, so I went to work for his company and then I went to work for another company. But then two and a half years ago, several of these executives, including Tom, came to me and said, Richard, you're so good at helping others do this. Stop going to work for companies as an employee. Start your own company. And I got to tell you, that was reinventing myself all over again because I had never done that. And yet, with the encouragement of these mentors, I stepped out and tried that. And so that's where the company came from two and a half years ago. And I now feel very passionately about it. We have, there's 10 of us now. Um, there are two men and, and eight women um, <laughs> because they, they come to the role with a passion and a desire, not to say men don't, but I got to tell you that as I've grown my company, the word empowerment is key to the fundamental elements that I believe in and that I want um, my team to believe in. And so on a side note, my team, we write for executives and they have expressed the desire that they wish they could write a book. So mm-hmm. last week, one of my uh, young women said she wanted to write a book. I said, okay, I will pay you to write a book. But every day you have to be accountable. The team will be supporting you. We will be the editors. We will provide all the support. We'll do everything necessary. But you have to commit to me that every day you will meet this goal. And sure enough, today was day two. And so I just got done texting right before I got on here with you. Where are you at with that goal? Good and- for you. And I, I tell you, we are we have gotten to know you so well in the last th- five minutes, but we have to take a break. So <laughs> hang out here with me, Richard, and we'll just take a quick commercial break. So everyone come right back where we're going to be talking about how social media has changed in the last year and how we can interact authentically online. See you right back in just a moment. Are you tired of tolerating that feeling of disengagement in your career? Shelly Johnson with the Best You Career Advantage partners with extraordinary leaders like you to reach their full potential. Driven by her passion for making connections on a deeper level, Shelly is committed to each client's career journey and becoming the best. This is Shelly Johnson with Best You Career Advantage. To learn more about how I can help you achieve abundance in your career, visit Best You careeradvantage.com. Again, that's best, B-E-S-T-U-Y-O-U, careeradvantage.com. 
It's a truth that's hard to admit, but professional women face unique challenges from financial and life circumstances that threaten their long-term financial security and quality of life. Women earn less than men, live an average five years longer, take time out from their careers to raise children, and are less confident making financial choices. Solving the challenges that are robbing you of a wealthy life takes a committed and courageous money mindset. Visit reinventingher.com and schedule a chat with Teresa Leftenant, a wealthy life specialist who cares. Dr. Sanjay Gupta brings you health tips for a better life Monday through Friday at 6 a.m., 8 a.m., and 5 p.m. right here on KKNW. Welcome back to A Wealthy Life for Her with my guest, Richard Bliss. He's the CEO of Bliss Point Consulting, and he's also a LinkedIn Top Voices Influencer. So that's it's from that perspective that I want to ask the next few questions. And that is, you know, I talk to professional women on this show, and many of them are seeking to enhance their careers or improve their business prospects. So let's start with an overview of the social media environment you know, from that perspective. Sure. For most of your listeners, they're going to associate social media uh, around some general ones. And mostly it's going to be Facebook, right? We start right. kind of with Facebook and depending on certain demographics, it's more, Facebook is more popular with others. And then we have Twitter that I mentioned is out there and we hear about Twitter and we just uh, had Twitter in the news a lot over the last four or five years. And then you have things that you're hearing now about TikTok, but YouTube kind of falls under social media. All of those occupy different niche inside the ecosystem of social media. And they all operate under the basic same assumption. And it's referred to as the rage economy. The rage that, economy. Okay. I hadn't heard that before. R-A-G-E, the rage economy. They're, they're, models, their monetary models are designed around the concept of generating an emotional investment, a rage, ah. rage for good, rage for bad. And they suck you down in and they try to keep you down there as long as possible, like holding a puppy underwater. I know that's a terrible analogy, but that sometimes feels it like- It sure what, feels that way, doesn't it? Right. Because you'll see on a YouTube video, uh, right? Now all of a sudden it pops up. Hey, you want to watch this next? Facebook. Hey, this is what you should be seeing next. Twitter to some degree, it needs to become echo chambers. Now, with that said, they all kind of do that because they make more money the longer you spend there. LinkedIn, though, is completely different. Okay. It's so different that the activities and efforts you put into those other social media platforms, those habits you've adopted, will literally sabotage your activity and efforts on LinkedIn. Because That's something you taught me. So go further with that. It is what I taught you. For example, we are we hear everywhere video is king. Video is king. Put your videos out there. Video is the worst performing content on LinkedIn. Mm. If you put a video out there, it will perform worse than any other type of content. Now, what other types of content are there? Well, there's pictures, images, and there's text, text only. Videos perform by a factor of 10, that if you put a video up, but we're so trained, we're also trained when we engage with content. For example, uh, this is what I taught you, that you put something out on LinkedIn. So I see it. I like it. What do I do? I click the like button and I move on. 
Right. I am trained by TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. That's how you show love. That's how you show appreciation. That's how you show support. Well, here's the difference. Think about this. If every time you clicked on something on one of those social media platforms, Facebook, or every time you left a comment, we usually see ourselves talking to the author of that content. It's a, it's a communication. LinkedIn does not see it that way. When you like or comment on a piece of content on the LinkedIn platform, they don't just tell the author of the content. They tell your network. Teresa liked this. Teresa commented on this. Teresa shared this. Now, sharing, of course, is obvious. But what's not obvious is that your brand is being built by what you engage with. And it is then taken and pushed out to the people you're connected with. And we completely forget that when we're dealing on LinkedIn because we keep thinking about, well, you know, I just like this video on Facebook and it's just my friend who put up this silly video or college kids making fools of themselves at a drinking party. I just went ahead and clicked like. On LinkedIn, that image, that video is being pushed to your network saying, this is a part of your brand. Ah, so I really want to stop here and make sure that that is understood is that LinkedIn is, and I know there's a word called algorithms, which means yep. the software behind everything. It's basically uh, promoting your brand. That's what it's for. That's what it is um, designed to do. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly what it's designed to do. So if anybody's watched the, the documentary Social Dilemma on Netflix, you'll hear about this algorithm. Those algorithms that they're sharing on the Social Dilemma are the puppy under the water algorithms. How can we keep this person submerged for as long as possible and not come up for air? Right. Link that, but that the reason is, is because that's how they make their money. LinkedIn does not necessarily make their money that way. LinkedIn makes their money because people pay LinkedIn. I pay LinkedIn for the rights to use their platform at a certain elevated level. And they make 80% of their revenue from people who pay to be on the platform. Well, that means they take great care in making sure that experience is as positive as possible, that you don't get sucked down and then get shoved all kinds of crazy stuff that you really don't want. You want to be doing business and talking to people. And, and so they make sure that experience stays there. So for that's why, to some degree, a video doesn't do well. Because when you put a video up, people see it, click like and move on. Right. It isn't necessarily there good to engage you, to, no. to ask you to think or comment or uh, even nope. talk about it. No, nope. most of us don't won't stop and talk about a video because by the time we get done watching the video, our little window of opportunity to use social media is used up and we have to go back to work or get back in, on the bus or whatever we're doing. Link, you're absolutely right. LinkedIn's like, no, we are going to reward behavior that causes conversations to start. And that means here's the irony text only outperforms all other content on LinkedIn. And you're like, wait, no picture? No, no link, no video? No, text only that starts a conversation. LinkedIn only allows about 1300 characters, not words, but characters on a post. If you fill up that post as much as possible on LinkedIn with about, you're gonna cause people to stop and read. LinkedIn is measuring every microsecond that your audience is spending reading that post. And they will reward you exponentially for the longer people spend reading the post, they will then show the post to more and more people because you're actually causing people to stop, participate, pay attention, and then engage. That's the reward on LinkedIn. And that's the subtle differences that a lot of people need to, to think about and realize 
that when you're on LinkedIn, don't be, there are no cat videos on LinkedIn. <laughs> no, <laughs> thank not. goodness. <laughs> but it's because LinkedIn is protecting their platform from that type of commentary and, and, and content. Okay, so let's uh, turn the conversation a little bit to how we can be authentic. And if we're writing, I mean, I'm just going to talk about LinkedIn here, because you're the LinkedIn expert. I mean, if I am writing content, how do I do that authentically? How do I build a brand uh, with writing? Great question. And I'm going to talk to your audience here on this because we've just used something, an assumption that actually most of your audience is not comfortable with that you and I both have just assumed. And that is we're assuming that people are going to be comfortable creating content on social media. Okay. That's a good point. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. And most people are not. Research mm -hmm. shows that online, less than 1% of people create the content online. So most vast majority of people do not participate with actually creating original content. So let me come back though. You asked an excellent question. So how do I build my brand? Do I have to create content? No. On LinkedIn, it's not content creation that creates value. It's commentary. Commentary. That Tell me the difference. So if I put out a post on LinkedIn, my network's going to see it. Now I have 117,000 people on LinkedIn who are going to, who follow me on LinkedIn but only 10% of those people are actually going to see my post because the algorithm isn't going to show it to everyone. So only about 10% that they're going to see that. And if nobody engages with it, there's no comments or anything, then hardly anybody's going to see it. But Teresa, if you put out a post, and this is some of the fun that you and I have had, if you put out a post and you can get 10 people to comment on it, that post is going to be shown to a minimum of a thousand people by this time tomorrow. I don't care how many people you're connected with. It will share simply because you got the engagement. Well, what does that mean? That means if I want to build influence on LinkedIn, I shouldn't be focusing on creating content. I should be focusing on creating comments that add to other people's conversations. Why? Ah. Because my comment will be seen by my network and my comment will be seen by the network I'm commenting into. I will expound, expand my influence exponentially because I begin commenting on other content that's out there. And when I say comment, I don't mean happy birthday, good job, congrats, which is again, those Instagram habits that we have adopted or Facebook habits. Instead, if you shared something about um, helping women build wealth, wealth in their, 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 their personality, their, their, their emotional, physical, uh, financial, and I left a comment on there about the importance of understanding how today's tools allow you to expand and find a, well of, a way of being authentic. I leave that comment. I've added to your content in such a way that I have now expanded it. My audience sees it. Your audience sees it. And other people begin to see it that I'm not even, neither you or I are connected to. Here's the, here's the challenge I give to individuals that I train, executives, coaches, uh, salespeople. Don't worry about creating content. For the next week alone, that's it. Go find three people on three different days and leave a single comment. Three people you don't know. Go just look it up. There's different ways you can look it up, hashtags, all kinds of things. But just go find some interesting content. If they've left a video, which I just said is probably not a good idea, but if they have, <laughs> watch the video and then comment on it. As I watched this video, I found it very fascinating how this point was made. Thank you for sharing because I see how this could impact me, my family, my business. Or 
Thank you for sharing this Forbes article. As I read the Forbes article, I was really struck by point number three, which called out this issue. That's really going to help me in my personal life. Those types of comments, Teresa, you and I both know that. Nobody writes those kind of comments. You do not see. But if you put out a piece of content and somebody left that kind of comment, you're going to notice. You're going to notice. Your network's going to notice and their network going to notice. And if you do that three times on three different days, the number of people simply looking at your profile to see who is this person will grow by 100 to 300% in a single week. These so are I will, I will, re, I will underline what you're saying by telling you that even with the two or three little habits that I have changed on LinkedIn, I'm getting viewed significantly more than I was before. And I'm being invited to, um, you know, to connect by more people. And so it is, so what I was just written, wrote down is that you have to know what your goal is. Yeah. And then you have to know how to spend your time in order to, make progress toward that goal. Would that be a way of saying it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Understand what your goal is your goal to build a business is your goal to expand your network is your goal to sell a book is your goal to uh, find a job. What is your goal? And then now go find people who are talking about the things that will help drive awareness of you towards that goal. Yeah. And I just got to say right now that the way we are taught about this whole marketing idea is that we're supposed to decide what we sell and who we sell it to, and then go talk to those people. And I want to say that that has never worked for me. What works for me is when I'm out there talking to people and somebody who's interested in what I, what I have to say happens about and wants to know more. So would you say that that is kind of what's changed in marketing is that we don't, really need to be targeting our ideal client? Or am I wrong about that? No, you're not wrong. Because, uh, because in the olden days, we used to build a website, we do everything we do to run Google ads, Google analytics and drive people to that website. That's how we ran. That's how we did it. Today, that's dramatically changed. And it's not just on business, but it's in our homes. In the olden days, we used to sit in front of our television, we would be trapped as they drove and it's called interrupt interruption marketing. Seth Godin coined that interruption marketing. They would interrupt something we wanted to watch with something we didn't want to watch, knowing that we were trapped, that we had to watch it until they brought back the thing we wanted to watch. Those days are long gone because now if I don't want to, the other day, I think it was my grandson who said, Hey, can't we just zip through the commercials? Cause we're watching live TV. Uh, no, you can't zip. What? That was such a foreign concept to him. Our ability now, the content comes to us. We no longer, us being the, the customer, we no longer have to drive the customer to the content. We simply put the content in front of the customer. And that's what you were just saying. If you get out there and start talking about the things that you're passionate about, how you can help people, giving to the community, they will see that and then they will reciprocate and they will come to you and they will ask for more advice. They will ask for connection requests. They will ask and seek you out rather than you trying to find them and drive them to a certain outcome. 
And that is how authenticity actually grows is because you are who you are talking about what you're passionate about. And I do need to take one more break, but when we come back, I want to go right to that um, idea of giving to people, because I have noticed that you really have that down, how to give to people and how to create real, a real digital community um, on LinkedIn. So come back everyone to a wealthy life for her. Are you tired of working at home? Change your office. Change your life. Just off I-90 in Issaquah, Rally Properties is 20 minutes to Seattle, 10 minutes to Bellevue, and 5 minutes to the outdoors. Imagine your business in a venue that offers the best of all worlds, a place to let your nature begin. Issaquah's safe, business-friendly, and kid-centric community, coupled with cultural and outdoor amenities, provides an outstanding work-life balance. We've helped hundreds of businesses over the past 65 years. No one knows Issaquah better. To learn more, visit RowleyProperties.com. That's R-O-W-L-E-Y Properties.com. Teresa Leftenant has been giving advice to women about their money for over 30 years. She teaches women to talk openly about money through virtual and live talking circles, where members come together in a spirit of trust, respect, and mutual support. Reinventing Her also provides workshops, speaking events, and transformational experiences to companies and organizations. If your group would like Teresa Leftenant to speak or facilitate a reinvention topic for your women's group learn more at reinventingher.com working hard to put a smile on your face alternative talk 1150 We're back to A Wealthy Life for Her with Teresa Leftenant and Richard Bliss. He's the author of the new book, Digital First Leadership, which I am going to get today, and also founder of the Funding the Dream podcast, as well as a lot of other things, expert on LinkedIn and so on. So before the break, we were talking about you know how to be authentic, how to communicate online, how to really start to build a brand. And I don't care if you're looking for work or whether you're trying to take your career to another level or you're a a sole proprietor like myself or a member of a business, it's kind of all the same, isn't it? It really is. It's all about uh, putting yourself out there and getting people to know who you are uh, without faking it. We see the fake Instagram influencers, right? Who, when you see behind the scenes, it's, it's completely fabricated. And yet, so many people are caught up with that feeling and that, oh, I have, I have to look good. Everything has to be perfect. No, no, be yourself and people will be drawn to that. And so that really is a key element of it. And I also wanted to ask you, you know, what have you learned over the years? And I know you do this really well because you have, you know, a lot of followers. How do you build an online community on LinkedIn? I I know there's different philosophies and different thoughts about it when you're talking about those other platforms, but online community and what, I also want you to tag on to that, how that has worked for you personally. All right. Well, there are several questions wrapped up in that. Sorry. (laughs) No, that's all right. We'll start with building your online community. Um, 
part of my career, I, I've read a lot of books and I've got to meet some wonderful people. One of my guests on my podcast at one point was Seth Godin. And Seth is a international bestselling author, a marketing guru, and somebody who I actually got to hear in person as well. And one of the things he talked about in per- the book that he wrote that really influenced, I gave it to my daughters, all five of them have a copy of the book, Tribes. And it was about how do you go out and build a tribe? And the book is very short, like 50 pages, very, very short. But one thing that's so important, and I, and I did this in the crowdfunding space, is where I really honed this um, belief. The first time I meet you online, in person, whatever, should not be you asking me for something. In the crowdfunding space, it's often people asking for money. Uh, you know, I, but when we meet, if you need something from me, the first time we engage should not be you asking me for something. That tips the balance of our relationship in my favor where you owe me because you asked me for something and, and we don't want to do that. So the, the way you build the tribe is you give, give, give. Now, how do you give? You give your advice. You give a comment. You give recognition. You give support. There's all kinds of different ways to give. And I have a lot of different stories about that. I think one, would this be a good one to talk about the uh, Amanda Palmer story? Yeah, tell us that one. I like that story very much. So Amanda Palmer is an artist. Uh, I got to tell you, she's not, she's, her music is not, I am not a fan of her music. Uh, so I'm not here to judge about Amanda Palmer music. But Miss Palmer had a unique style, and that is she gives her music away for free. So you can download her music and she's done it for quite a while and she makes her money by touring. Well, she did before COVID and touring. And the unique thing is, is that she couch surfed. She would reach out to her fans and then crash on somebody's couch. And that's where she would stay before the concert. Well, she decided she wanted to come out with an album. And she went to a record album. Uh, and by the way, this is all on a TED Talk. That's how I learned about this. You're talking about something that's out there already. So you're yeah. not telling. Yeah. No, no. This is a TED Talk. And this is where I, somebody put me in touch with this TED Talk. And it changed. It literally changed my life. Um, I was transformed after listening to Amanda, Amanda's story. And so I'm not telling it nearly as well as she did. But what happened was, is the record label company said, look, you only have 25,000 fans out there as far as we can tell. And we are not doing a record. So she went to the crowdfunding platform, Kickstarter. She released her music, asked her fans, will you give me money for something I give you for free? 24,800 fans said yes. So the record record label knew their stuff. She raised $1.2 million. And at the time, it was the most money ever raised in that category. And and in her TED Talk, what she said was, when you give to a community, you need to give them a chance to say thank you. You need to give them a chance to to give back. And it transformed the way I thought about business, the way I thought about negotiations, everything. And so I started doing that. I did it with my own crowdfunding project where I would agree to go to your home and record my podcast if you donated $1,200 to my Kickstarter campaign. I had four people take me up on that, (laughs) which shocked me. And then when I called them up to schedule the time, all four of them, 100% of them said, no, Richard, I gave you the money. And this is what one individual who, when I pressed them said, I gave you the money because you, what you give away for free is so valuable 
I am willing to pay you money so that you keep giving it away for free. Every single individual basically had the same attitude. I learned a lesson at that point that if you give to a community, that they will begin to follow you, appreciate you, and you've tipped the balance in your favor that then when the come times comes to make the ask, it might be money, it might be a connection request, it might be support, it, might, it could be anything. But if you've given to that community, the tribe starts to coalesce around you because they see you're somebody who's willing to give. And then when the time comes for the ask, they're more than willing to be generous and give back. I just love that. And it also supports my belief that you don't really know, you might have a goal, uh, money might be part of the goal, but you don't really know where the money's going to come from. You just have to give the best part of yourself and pursue uh, taking actions and it will happen. It will show up. It's not magic. It's just something about the universe, the universal laws. And one of them is that if you give, people will want to say thank you. They really do. And we've heard the analogies about casting your bread upon the water and it'll come back. All of those. That is all so true. And you talk about it. We, we talk about it in my team about uh, empowerment, but we also talk about giving and the generosity that we give. Uh, we live by kind of a thing that says, give away your most precious material and then charge for everything else. <laughs> right. And, and here's a little thing, something I do with, I, I shouldn't say this on radio, but when my clients come to me and talk about pricing and negotiations, we start negotiating a contract. I tell them what my contract is and I give them a standard answer. They all get the same standard answer. But then I tell them, but I don't know what your budget is. So you get to decide how much you're going to pay me. I have clients who are like, say, what? What did you just say? <laughs> how does that work out? I said, it works out very well. Because if somebody's willing to take advantage of me on the pricing on the very first thing, I know immediately what kind of person I'm working with. And guess what? I've never had a client lowball me or take advantage of that. I've had them apologize if their budget doesn't match my income, but I've honored that contract every time. And then they're apologizing to me because they want to give me money. What so, I love about that is that you, you, meaning we, can never tell the real value of something to somebody else. We're always trying to guess what it is and try to, you know, put the square peg through the round hole. You just got to let people tell you what, how they value things and they will. And they will. And that's part of that giving back. I've given them the trust factor. I've even told people who sometimes aren't in a position to, they don't own the budget. They said, well, I have to go back and take it back. I said, well, now guess what? You get to negotiate for me for the budget. So you just decide. And you know what happens, Teresa? They fight their hardest for me. Yes. Because, because I've given the, and they will come back. I had one client come back and say, okay, we felt you charged too less. So we've increased the amount we're going to pay you by 50%. <laughs> Okay. What great feedback for you, Richard. That is, I mean, that is the very best there is, isn't there? Now we only have room for five more minutes before we have to stop, but I want to ask two or three more questions. So the first sure. one is, is, is personal. So I'm of the older generation and I feel like sometimes it's, it is overwhelming and too hard for me to catch up, to, to really get good at this. So what do you tell the older workforce that you train? I tell the older workforce that there are three myths that you need to overcome. Myth number one is you don't have the time. You do. Five minutes a day is all I, actually seven minutes a day is 30 minutes a week of five day week. You have the time. 
Just take a few minutes to leave three comments. That's all I'm asking you to do. Number two, it's all self-promotional. I look at social media, it's all, no. You have a unique story to tell. And when you tell it and give to your community, it is not self-promotional. And number three is that story. So many people believe they don't have a story inside. And so I tell them, find your story right. and tell it. And it is a fascinating story to people. And they're like, no, no, nobody cares. That, so that is the number one thing I tell people is to simply get over those three myths that are holding you back from simply participating in the online conversation that's happening. So thank you for reminding me because I have to remember. <laughs> Yes. All right. So the other thing is, is that, you know, we are told these old marketing um, beliefs, I call them belief viruses, Richard, because there are these beliefs sure. in our culture that have been permeated and everybody has accepted it and decided they're going to live their life based on them. And one of them is that social media is where you sell your products. And I know that we've talked about creating, you know, content about, you know, having your own um, group of people there, but let's, let's specifically address selling on social media. And we have a whole another hour on that topic, but let me just say that social media, it does not fill your sales pipeline. Social media does not add product revenue to your bottom line. Social media is where you get out and talk to your customers, engage with your prospects, mingle with your partners. It's where they get to see you in this digital first world. They don't get to see you on the trade show floor anymore. They don't get to see you coming by and visiting them. They don't get to see you going out to lunch or didn't know. They only see you online. And that means that you need to be the same time. You would not be selling to somebody all the time. That if, for, Ned Riley, Ned Ryerson, excuse me, Ned Ryerson. Who is Ned Ryerson? We all know him because Phil Connors sees him every day in Groundhog's Day trying to sell him insurance. Oh, right, Am I right? Right, right, I'm right, right, right. I'm right, I'm right, all right. Don't be that guy. Right. Right. And so that's what you need to understand is social media is where you talk to your customers and engage with them, not where you sell to them. And what you said in the previous answer was that it doesn't have to take a lot of time. You don't have to overthink it. You just have to show up and be authentic. So if you were to um, really encapsulate what you believe authentic engagement is on social media, on LinkedIn, how would you describe it? It means taking the time to be interested in the people you're talking to and show genuine interest on your part, not fake, not shallow, be authentic about your interest, your inquiries, your questions, and show interest in those other people. That's the giving part. So authenticity to me is showing ways that you're willing to give of yourself, your time, your intelligence, your knowledge, whatever it might be. So that somebody else feels good because it's really hard to fake niceness. I mean, you can, but pretty soon it's good. The reality is going to come out. So people see through it and they might not see it the first or second time, but eventually they do. I know we only have 90 seconds, but there's a gentleman online who continues to, to badmouth everybody he sees. Mm. And he doesn't understand that we're all looking at him because then he turns around and tries to be nice. And I've only, and I've noticed he's only nice to certain demographic of individuals. And and so then he's nice. And then I'm thinking, dude, do you not recognize that people see what you're doing? You're trying to be nice over here. And then you're bad mouthing everybody else over here. So people will see through it. Manipulation doesn't work long-term. It doesn't. doesn't. So I also want you to talk about your book and how um, people can learn more. Obviously they can connect with you on LinkedIn. So basically let our listeners know all of that. (laughs) Sure. 
find me on LinkedIn or Twitter, Richard Bliss, Facebook, Richard Bliss, LinkedIn, Richard Bliss. Uh, what you want to do for the book, I'm on Amazon. It's Digital First Leadership. It's easier just to look up my name, Richard Bliss. And then I'm on paperback, Kindle, hardback, and the Audible will be out in just a couple of weeks. So they can yeah, easily see, find it. Yeah, see, that's what I'm waiting for is your Audible. We talked about that before because I, I really can go through more books if I'm listening to them while I'm doing other things. So Audible in a couple of weeks. Fabulous. And I did, and I did read the read by author. Awesome. That yes. was fun. It was fun. And I had my team had access to studios, recording studios that we were able to put nine hours in of me sitting in a tiny booth reading my own words, which was a really interesting experience. You know, writing a book is one of the best things you can do in your life. I wrote a book called Reinventing Her, and it did absolutely change my life in terms of my perspective on my life uh, going forward. Because as you said at the very beginning, you've reinvented yourself several times and you grow more and more towards your potential and knowing who you are more and learning to love yourself and let go of bad habits, all those other things I was saying at the beginning of the show. So I feel like we've come full circle. Do you have any last words for our listeners before I say goodbye? No, just that this has been an absolute pleasure for me. And thank you for allowing me to share a little bit of the, the things I've learned over my career that could help some individuals, your listeners, to maybe overcome those friction points and those fears to take that first step. Absolutely. And to realize that it is a journey, not, you know, not, it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint is what I meant to say. And that, you know, we're, there's always something more to learn. So I hope everyone that you will uh, look up uh, on his website, which is part of the podcast notes and check out Richard Bliss because he's fabulous. And thank you so much for being my guest today. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Teresa. All right, everyone. Next week, our guest will be Claire Kelway. She's a homeopath and functional medicine practitioner. And, you know, we're going to talk about a subject that we, we revisit on this podcast, and that is how busy professional women and moms can learn how to transform their health and maintain it long term. So I'm really excited to bring uh, Claire next week to the podcast. So thank you, everyone for listening and being part of our wealthy life for her mission. I really want you not to miss out on any of my incredible guests because I am one lucky lady. I get to uh, really learn about all aspects of living a wealthy life while I interview really expert and passionate people. You can listen weekly at 1150kknw.com or you can subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And please, I'd be so grateful if you would share the show with your friends, if you enjoyed yourself, leave a review so more and more people People can discover our show. You can connect with me on LinkedIn and Facebook under Reinventing Her and Teresa, T-R-E-S-A, Lieutenant. And you can learn more about working with me at reinventingher.com. Also, as I mentioned, I wrote a book, Reinventing Her, helping women plan, pursue, and capitalize on their next chapter. And that's available on Amazon. So remember, ladies, you deserve a wealthy life and to attain the financial freedom that you desire. And it's your birthright, by the way. When you engage your inner power qualities and get your financial house in order, you can overcome any challenge and create a wealthy life on your terms. See you next week. 
Teresa is founder of Reinventing Her and author of Reinventing Her, helping women plan, pursue, and capitalize on their next chapter. Available on Amazon. She is a certified financial planner and reinvention mentor for professional women who aspire to a wealthy and financially independent life. Learn more at reinventingher.com.